Romans, the fifth chapter. I, I think today we may finish with chapter five. Some wondrous truths that are found throughout the Word of God. And I pray today that, that He will help us to absorb all we can from the ending of this great chapter. So let's do this. Let's read um, from verse 18 through 21. Romans 5, 18 through 21. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, just even as we come to your word now, we pray for help. Lord, just help me to stay out of the way. Let your word speak. And Lord, just keep me from error. Lord, open my eyes even as I am going through this. Reveal to me things that have not even been shown, that I haven't even thought of yet, that you would want even presented today. Lord, let your word go forth for us today. And Lord, help us all, everyone, that we may have ears to hear from you and to learn of you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, from the beginning of Paul's letter to the saints in Rome, he has been laying out that all are in need of justification by grace through faith. In Romans 3, as we've said so often, Paul had charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin, Romans 3.10 as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. All under the law, all guilty before God, none righteous. All have received the imputed sin of Adam, as we've talked about this, because we are all united to Adam, made in union with Adam in his sinning. Adam sinned all of his progeny after him, sinned and fell. So Paul has pointed out to the Jew that they cannot gain justification through their circumcision, through their rituals, through their feasts, through their Jewish lineage, their heritage, or by the fact that God had given to them his oracles for them to keep and to watch over. They had a lot. They had a big advantage, did they not, in what God had done for them. But the Jew could not and still cannot be justified by their law keeping. That is what Paul keeps hammering on. The law was never and even still is not a way for a Jew or anyone else to earn their salvation, their justification. Now, Romans 3 verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Uh, verse 28 in Romans 3. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So now Paul is compelled, I believe, to answer the urgent and vital questions that he knew that the Jews were thinking and would want to ask. Okay, Paul, then what is and was the purpose of the law. Why this big thing with the mountain? Why the big deal with Moses? Why all of this then, Paul? In Galatians 3, verse 21 and 22, I believe we read some of these, quite a bit of these last week. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have 
given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. All, all under sin. So Paul, again, why was the law given? What was its purpose? And I believe that is a huge part of why we have the last two verses of Romans 5. So let's look at 20 and 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the law entered. We we talked about this, I guess it was last week. The law entered, came alongside the offense, the sin of Adam as well as all of mankind, so that the offense, the sin might abound so that sin might be clearly known and made evident, made manifest to all. The law came so that we would have a knowledge of sin, that sin was made visible for what it was and is, a transgression against Almighty God, that we might know that we cannot deny what sin is. Romans uh, 7, 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not, Paul says. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So the law does what? Defines sin. So that there can be no excuse. No excuse. It reveals sin. Sin is exposed and thus the law brings about Wrath, the wrath of God. That's from Romans 4, verse 15. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So again, the law reveals sin. It brings us all guilty before God and deserving of wrath. The law defines sin. It makes it transgression against Almighty God. The law makes our sin evident obvious it silences the mouth of anyone who would try to say that they have no sin but i'm a good person yeah well what about this no excuses romans 3 verses 19 and 20 let's put these two verses together Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law came to reveal sin, that there would be no doubt about, we talked about this last week, the exceedingly sinfulness of sin. The law reveals our need of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Galatians one more time as we're reviewing and going through this. Let's put some verses together, 21 through 25. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. The law reveals our sin and sin must be dealt with again we talked about this to a great degree last sunday okay now romans 5 verses 20 21 one more time moreover the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace abounded much more so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I believe when you really 
unpack these verses, that these two verses can be used as a summary statement for everything that Paul has said beginning in chapter 1, what verse 16, all the way to this point. And I pray that we can get the depths of these two verses because they provide the introduction to chapter 6 and 7. These two verses lead right in and in a continuation in chapters 6 and 7. If we don't get a grip on what Paul is saying here in chapter 5, we're going to be... We need to know this so that we can continue on and, and have a fuller understanding. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. We've looked at this, we've reviewed it, and perhaps have somewhat of a meaning and understanding of this by now. But thank God that Paul didn't stop there. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now Paul does, I don't know if you recognize this when you're reading through Paul, but he does, as he does so often, he gives us the bad news first. Then he gives us this little conjunction And then he gives us the good news. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Paul paints the dark side and then gives the glorious statement of the gospel of the grace of God. You see this so often when you read his letters. And and my favorite And probably most of you know my favorite's in Ephesians, the second chapter, and I'm going to read it this morning. Let's go to Ephesians, the second chapter. Let's just do verses 1 through 3. 1 through 3. And you, he made alive. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Because if you got your Bible there, if it's a New King James Version, he made alive's in italics. It's not in there. Translators put it in there. Okay, this is one of those cases. ESV reads it better. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Do you see? You see? In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the sons of disobedience. Where did this disobedience begin? Let me pause again. Adam. Adam. We all fell in Adam because of what? Disobedience. How egregious is disobedience in the eyes of God? Well, it was by disobedience that all of mankind fell. Adam disobeyed. And if you really stop to look at it, what did he disobey? Well, he disobeyed what God told him, but what was it? It was a, was it this Horrible moral sin. It was a sin of, when you break it down, eating. Have you ever really thought of it that way? Was it some big monster sin? You know, we want to put levels on sin. No, it was because he ate something. All of mankind fell because Adam ate something. Have you ever really thought about it that way? He disobeyed God and sin is Sin. You see the depths of it. Disobedience. Prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Paul paints the dark side. Paul paints the picture of sin and disobedience. The bad news first, and then the good news, verse 4 through 10. And there's that same little conjunction, but when you're you're reading Paul and you see that little conjunction, but pay attention to what comes after. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love which He loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us set together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Aren't you thankful for the Apostle Paul? Romans 5.20, just put the verse, single verse up. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Now I want us to pause today. We're going to do another word study. Oh, great. Another word study. Well, we're going to look at that abounded, abounded. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Now, if you read through that, you would think, well, Paul just used the same word. The same word for well, where sin abounded, grace abounded, abounded, same word. No, it's not. It's not the same word. Uh, you, Paul used two different words. Uh, but where sin abounded, I'll go ahead and give you the Greek word. It's pleonazo, to increase, to make or to be more, numerically speaking. That, that's the word he used there. But he used a different word, a stronger word, a much stronger word for grace. Grace abounded. And the root word of it is perizio. And he not only used the stronger word, uh, which means abound beyond measure, he added a superlative to it, a prefix to it. So the, the word is actually hooper, which means super. Hooper parisio, super abounded. And not just the, the smaller word that is used over here for sin, but this much stronger word, super abounded. Abounded beyond measure, overflowed as a mighty flood, totally engulfing. See, it's the same idea. If you put up 1 Corinthians 15.54, just for a second, just to see, it's the same idea that Paul had in mind here. So when the corruption has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. The, the, the same thought that Paul has in mind over here in Romans 5. Sin that abounded is swallowed up by grace. You get the depths of that. Swallowed up by grace. See, Paul is making the point that whatever sin may have done, grace has done much more. Altogether more. Infinitely more. Sin can never diminish grace. Amen? Sin can never diminish grace. Grace is exceedingly more, infinitely more. Now, here, I'm going to give you a math problem. Boy, a word study and a math problem today. We're doing great. Here's your question. If you have an infinite number and you subtract from it a finite number, and here, I'll give you an example, infinity minus 10 billion equal what? Infinity. You cannot diminish infinity. You see. See, Paul is making that point about grace. See, the very meaning of infinite is that when you take away from it, there is no less than when you began. You get that? Let me read that again. The very meaning of infinite is that when you take away from it, there is no less than when you began. Does that sound familiar? We just sang it, and we did that on purpose. Last verse of Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, Bright shining as the sun with no less days to sing God's praise than when we first be 
John, do, 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 you, do you get that verse a little bit better now? You can't subtract from infinity. Eternal life. Infinite life. With Christ. In glory. You get that. <laughs> but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I, I believe Paul wants us to grasp the infinite aspect of grace so that we might fully rest in our assurance of salvation. What, what can detract from, what can subtract from the grace of God that we have received? Nothing. Nothing. For those who are in Christ, can grace ever be diminished? No. And I hope without hesitation you would say, no, it cannot. For those who are truly in Christ, who have been born again, the grace of God that you have received cannot be diminished. And I believe Paul wants us to see with absolute certainty that our salvation, our justification by grace through faith is solid and secure. All the blessings we receive and all we have ever received and all that we're ever going to receive is all of grace, a grace that cannot be diminished. It is in grace that we stand. It is by grace we stand. We can go back to the first part of Romans 5, first five verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now I know we preached a sermon or two talking about these very things, but can you see it even more now? as we got to the end of chapter 5. This grace in which we stand, this grace that cannot be diminished by anything. And if we understand that, then when tribulation comes, you see, I hope you can see, if we have an understanding of this grace, this abounding, this super abounding grace that cannot be dis diminished Oh, then all these things where, where, where he said, we can also rejoice and glory in tribulations because we know that they are for a purpose, that they produce perseverance, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because grace, marvelous grace, cannot be diminished. But what about sin? Surely our sin, we still sin, I still sin. Doesn't does that diminish? No, it does not. It cannot. It cannot. I, I want to read a MacArthur quote. I, I read this a few months back, but listen. Believers will often fall into sin, but their sin is is not more powerful than God's grace. They are the very sins for which Jesus paid the penalty. Now listen, if no sin a person commits before salvation is too great for Christ's atoning death to cover, surely no sin he commits after salvation is too great to be covered. Amen? Yes. And again, I'll, I'll just pause here to say this, and we're going to be saying it over and over because it may be what we're preaching on next week. Just that fact does not give the born-again believer a license to sin. So don't ever go down that path. And that's, that's the first verse of chapter 6 when we get there. Let's, let me go back to what uh, continue the thought of uh, John MacArthur. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? If God sovereignly declares those who believe in His Son to be forever just, who can overturn that verdict? What higher court can overrule that divine acquittal? There is, of course, no higher court and no greater judge 
Jesus Christ is the divine judge of all mankind. And he gives his true disciples the unspeakable comforting promise of John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. End quote. See, and I would add this verse, and I, we, I know we've read this quite often, uh, the words of Christ in John 10, verse 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice. Who is his sheep? The, the believers. The ones who follow Christ. The born again. Redeemed. Justified by the blood of Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Child of God, I hope you've got this solid in your thinking in all aspects of life that you know you're truly born again and you believe what Christ is saying. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Child of God, do you believe you're safe and secure held in the hand of God? And knowing that, will that affect our thinking? Will it affect our responses to the tribulations and trials that come to us while here on earth? Yes. Yes. Now, we may still be learning, and I would venture to say that's all of us. We're still learning to be able to always fall back to that, but let that be our default, you see, that we always fall back to the promises of God in the midst of what we're going through. So we take what we're going through as it tries to take our thoughts away from things above and to the things, the circumstances, and whatever it may be that we're going through here. But may... We may we quickly default back to who we are in Christ. And of the fact that we're held in the hand of God the Father, kept by the power of God in, in 1 Peter. Romans 5.18 Therefore, as through one man's offense, offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, The free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. To all who believe. See, how powerful is this righteous act? The work of Christ in grace upon the cross. That whatever the law goes, wherever the law goes, it increases and makes sin revealed and known Jesus comes and increases grace far above. Exceedingly. Way, way, way. Infinitely above. To cover it all. However powerful the sin unleashed by Adam, the grace unleashed, can I say it that way, by Christ is far more Powerful. It covers. It forgives. It removes guilt. It transfers you from condemnation to justification. The law puts depravity on display. It stimulates sin. It dooms the sinner. It condemns them. But the law has no power to change the heart. Grace put love and holiness on display. Stimulating obedience Grace has the power to change the heart. The grace of God is supernatural. It saves us. It redeems us from sin. The sin of Adam is natural and does nothing but condemn us to hold us captive as slaves to sin. But grace abounded much more. Super abounded much more. The sin of Adam, natural had us condemned and held as captives to sin. Romans 6. I want to go there. We'll get a little preview today. Romans 6, verse 16 through 18. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey? 
whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But, there's the conjunction again. Do you see that? you see that? Slaves of sin. Slaves of sin. But, there's the conjunction. But God be thanked that that though you were slaves of sin, you yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. But God be thanked. Praise His name. God be thanked that though I was once a slave to sin, that now, because of the work of Christ, God be thanked. Now I have become, oh, I'm still a slave, but not to sin, but to righteousness, but to Christ. So every way you look at the one act of Christ on the cross compared to the one act of Adam, the act of Christ triumphs, exceedingly triumphs, super triumphs over sin, the one act of Adam. Ephesians 1. We're going to read another big piece of Ephesians. We've got to read this every few months. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. So hang on. Word of God speak. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Does that get you every time you read that child of God? Chosen? How can that be? How can that be? That's God. That's God. Time means nothing to Him. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him... We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. I'll get that. According to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound. Same strong root word that was used in talking of of grace over in in Romans 5. Doesn't have the superlative, doesn't have the, the prefix on it here, but it's still that same strong word which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. You ask the question, well, how can it be? Because God had purposed it. The good pleasure of his will. Who can know the mind of God? Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Why why were we saved? Why did He call us to Himself? That we might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, verse 13, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. What a... Glorious passage of Scripture for the child of God. A guarantee of an inheritance. That's grace. By the grace of God, we we are sealed as God's purchased possession that we might be to the praise of His glory. And it's all brought about by the grace 
of God. Romans 4, verse 16. We've talked about this months ago now, but therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also of those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Let's read some more passages about grace. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession of faith. Hold on to faith. The, the Apostle Paul would say, fight the good fight of faith. Contend for faith, you see. So hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly. And we can, child of God, we can because we have access. Remember, we have access into this grace in which we stand. Don't forget that. Don't forget everything that we've learned as we've been coming through this. Let, let it be cumulative. Let it build up. Let, let us all be able to keep it all together because we have access to this throne of grace. Come boldly. Hebrews 13, verses 8 and 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. Uh, the NASB, the ESV says, strengthened by grace. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them or devoted to them. Don't, don't get caught up with all trivialities or doctrines that have no hold on us today as we are under grace and not the law. That's what he's saying. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. You knew this passage was coming, didn't you? The Apostle Paul, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. What, what did God just reveal to him? Oh, he took him up and showed him great and marvelous things. I cannot imagine what Paul saw. But, but because of that, Paul says, unless I should be exalted above measure, lest, lest he should get puffed up. You see, oh, look what God showed me. Man, look what God did. I'm, I'm, I must be way up here above all you other people. No, no, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And here's the answer that Paul got. And he said, and this, should you pray and you make the request, Lord, please take this from me. And it's okay to do that. And I believe we should do that. Lord, heal me of this. Lord, Lord, this burden, this whatever it may be. Lord, remove it. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. And pray and pray and pray. But perhaps the answer will come that Paul got. No, it's going to stay. But I have a reason for it to stay. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. Now, I'm going to pause there again. What do we know about this grace? What do we know about the abundance of grace? Is there anything that can diminish God's grace? Not even a thorn in the flesh. Do you see, do you see where I'm, this is all coming together? Don't let your circumstance of life diminish your joy. Because I think I can say that could happen. Our happiness, for sure our happiness, our joy 
really it should not be diminished either because that's the joy of the Lord. My grace, the superabounding grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, sometimes we need to be brought to the end of a rope so that we might know the strength is not mine, but His. You see? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, here's the attitude of Paul after hearing from the Lord. Therefore, most gladly, will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong is this grace sufficient for every need yes yes in infirmities yes in sickness yes in needs and distresses yes his grace is sufficient Romans 3 verses 21 through 26 But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let me pause. When we read A passage like that that should take us to this cumulative knowledge that we're getting from Romans. Justified freely by His superabounding grace. I have redemption. Received redemption. And it is secured. An inheritance guaranteed. Kept by the power of God. Justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because of because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. By grace through faith. A few more. Second Timothy 1, verses 7 through 10. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Are you born again? You have the power of God within you. What have you to fear? We could, we could read a multitude of verses in talking about that. But do you see where all this comes together for the child of God to give us assurance regardless of what's coming in this life? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose, His will, His plans, Him, according to Him, according to the Lord, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. There it is again. but has now been revealed to the revealed by the appearing of our savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel <laughs> it just interweaves doesn't it it's all held together that passage from Titus that we read earlier in the song service Titus 3 verses 3 through 7 But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, 
we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. We, we read this earlier in the song service too. Colossians 3, verse 16 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11. But may the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That in Christ, in the knowledge of Him, and of this grace in which we stand, that we would be established, strengthened, and settled by His grace, the God of all grace. I'll, I'll just ask it this way today. Have you been called by the grace of God? Have you been to the throne of grace? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For by grace you have been saved. Have you been saved? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, no other way. Have you been saved by grace? And I could ask it this way, do you believe? Let's read the passage we read from Romans 10. So we're going to be getting to Romans 10 someday, Lord willing. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And again, I'll, I'll put this in there. Save from what? The wrath of God that will one day fall on all unbelievers. Those who have not been to the throne of grace. You see. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's read some of the words of Jesus Christ. John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. See, there's that amazing grace. John three thirty six, man. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Here's the tragedy. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. See, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans, he's been talking about this. Death came through Adam. All died. But life came through Christ. Eternal life through Christ. Luke 13, 3. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Perish. And I say so often, don't be among the perishing. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? Why would He do such a thing? That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is only one way, one way to God the Father. There is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to escape hell. And it's Christ. And it's Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I give thanks for Your Word and, and I pray that that it went forth as according to Your plan for today. And Lord, I, I know 
that within the hearing that you can fix all things. And in my stumbling and bumbling, that, that even in as they hear, that you could transform it in their hearing to what you would have said. So Lord, I pray you've done that today, and I know you do. And so Lord, let every born-again believer that's, that's listening to this rejoice in, in the grace that you have bestowed. A superabounding grace through Christ. His righteous act. The work of the cross. So Father, may we never forget what Christ has done. May we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. And Father, should there be someone who might listen to the sermon who is yet in their sin, they are far from the covenant of promise, far from grace, they are under law and they don't even know it. They are yet sinners. And Father, by Your power, by Your Spirit, by the truth of Your Word, show them their sin according to the law. That they're not as good as they might think they are. That they are indeed a sinner. And Lord, then show them in the presence of You, most holy God, what happens to a sinner apart from You. And then Lord, as they tremble before You because You have revealed Yourself to them, Lord, show them the rescue. The rescue for the perishing that's in the cross, the shed blood, the sacrifice of Christ. And Father, grant them faith that they might believe, that they might receive Christ. Grant them repentance, that they would confess their sins before You, realizing who they are, a sinner, and realizing their need for a Savior, Jesus Christ. Grant them repentance. All mercy and grace, Father, grant mercy and grace and faith that they may turn from their sin and follow Christ. So, Father, help us all that we may follow Christ. Help us all that we may stand in the grace in which You have granted to us. Let us, without intrepidation at all, always, always, always come to the throne of grace that we might might find help in time of need. May we remember the words that you are teaching us, that we would know that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can diminish this grace. And knowing that, that thanksgiving would be continuously upon our lips because of what you have done. Praise your holy name. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.